We're live in Jerusalem here on a JM in the AM Tuesday. Many of you are familiar with the work of Caroline Glick. Her, um, her CV, her bio is so long that there's no way in the world I would get through all of it, but she is one of the most incredible columnists out there. Senior contributor and chief columnist for the Jerusalem Post, appears in many other places as well, of course, and is one of the most uh, incredible and outspoken commentators out there. Uh, also, and I'll, I'm going to ask her about this, she founded, which uh, I believe at the time was one of the most effective, one of the most effective Hasbara uh, programs around. That was LATMA, the Hebrew language satirical media criticism website, served as editor-in-chief of the site till it stopped operating in 2015. Caroline Glick, thank you so much for joining us at JM in the AM. Uh, it's great being on your program. I appreciate that. We're in Jerusalem, and we are uh, we are having an amazing time, and I'm sure you would recommend to everybody listening, get to Jerusalem as soon as possible. Absolutely, absolutely. There's no place like it on Earth. Uh, you are uh, you are such a prolific writer, incredible columnist. We have a packet that's handed out to everybody in our synagogue each and every Friday when people come into shul, and it's a packet of important articles of the week. And invariably, your weekly article in the Jerusalem Post is included each and every time. And <laughs> trust me, that's quite a compliment. I appreciate it. Uh, it's really amazing. Tell me about the uh, current situation here in Israel politically. Are we headed toward new elections or not? Well, it seems fairly likely because, um, you know, we're, the elections are scheduled for November, and we've sort of been in a lame duck kind of governmental situation for uh, several months. And um, there are two issues that, uh, due to a Supreme Court uh, decisions, have to be legislated in December. One uh, revolves around uh, the conversions law, and the other one revolves around the draft law. And when you're in an atmosphere of elections, uh, nobody is interested in compromising because it'll make their constituents angry with them. So the chance of there being a compromise and elections being averted uh, goes down with each passing day. So conversion. We're likely going to see. We'll, we'll likely see elections sometime between January and February. It seems. So as much as we comment uh, in the United States about kicking the uh, can down the road when it comes to certain items, when it comes to conversion and draft laws in this country. Uh, it's a, it's certainly a, an appropriate expression. They just keep delaying things so that they don't upset their own constituency. Well, in a way, it makes sense. I mean, to try to force an issue um, by court decision is a little bit stupid. I mean, these are sociological issues more than anything else. So, you know, it, it's one of those things that you can't say by judicial fiat, okay, now you have to determine a the end point of a situation that uh, has to do with um, very basic things about how people define themselves in the world. And it's just one more example of Supreme Court overreach in Israel and how it destabilizes Israeli politics and Israeli society as a whole. Does nation-state law go in that same category or not? Well, it depends whether the, state, the Supreme Court has the uh, nerve to try to undermine uh, law that has the same constitutional basis as the Supreme Court's own power, meaning the Supreme Court derives its power from basic law, uh, the Supreme Court, and another basic law uh, called, uh, uh, I don't know what it's called in English, it's which means uh, uh, human rights and uh, freedoms, more or less. And um, 
So their right to overturn laws or whatever has to do with uh, basic uh, laws that were passed by the Knesset that the the Supreme Court attributed to them uh, constitutional standing in Israel, which has no constitution. So then they say, the core of our power, the source of our power are these laws, and now we're going to overturn one of them. They're essentially saying that there's nothing significant about their own, uh, the laws that empower them. So it's... um, it would be a risky move on their part. They've made some risky moves in the past because their justices are becoming ever more uh, uh, flamboyant in their uh, in their uh, decisions that they, they they should be ruling by judicial fiat. So it's possible that they do that. But if they do, then they risk a serious backlash from the Knesset, particularly uh, if uh, they don't have if, if you're if the because uh, if they do that, basically you're going to have a lot of. Uh, nationalist parties that are running on a platform, a joint platform, to deny or to remove the Supreme Court's uh, power to overturn laws, which is a power that was never granted to them by legislation, only by judicial fiat. So if that happens, they could end up seeing their own power uh, uh, diminished, and it, it would be an interesting it would it would be an interesting move on their part. It would certainly bring Israel to to a new uh, level of of. Uh, crisis between the arms of government. Caroline Glick is with us. Speaking of law, can the Prime Minister and his wife survive the legal troubles they're in now? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that there's any question about that. Uh, Netanyahu, all of the polls show, is going to be re-elected uh, to form the next government. Uh, he he leads all of his possible uh, 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 rivals by over 20 points. Um, so there's really you know, no chance that he's going to be defeated. And there are various ways, uh, legal ways, to prevent him from uh, being uh, uh, put on trial uh, during his tenure as prime minister or even during his tenure as a member of Knesset. So um, I don't think that uh, without passing any any uh, major laws. And so I think that uh, the likelihood of either of them going into jail or being put on trial is probably quite small. Certainly in his case, it's zero. And in her case, it's quite small. Uh, we always look for, you know, effective Hasbara methods and effective Hasbara uh, strategies. Uh, LATMA that mm-hmm. you led during the years that it existed, I thought was one of the most incredible uh, Hasbara um, methods out there. Uh, do you agree? Mm-hmm. And was there any specific reason why uh, it, it just doesn't appear anymore? Yeah, um, I completely agree. And you know, a lot of people, including myself, uh, continue to mourn the loss of LATMA. The reason that I ended up folding the operation after five years is because it was too expensive. And we didn't receive, unlike a lot of these uh, broadcast channels in Israel that, uh, you know, are, are controlled by uh, left-wing activists, um, we didn't receive any government funding. So everything was based on uh, my fundraising. And... Um, you know, it's very difficult, and the fundraising I was doing in the United States, it's very difficult to maintain a program, no matter how effective it is, uh, based on, on private donors um, with no end in sight. So it, it, it ended up becoming uh, increasingly difficult to finance it. And um, so I finally, for financial reasons, had to end it, which is a shame. Um, and there have been... Oh, there's been, in, particularly in the last year, some talk amongst us that maybe we should try to reinstate it in one form or another. And, you know, depending on how things uh, continue on in the future, we may we may not. The thing that I can say is what, what Lotmer's basic rationale was is 
was that we had to end the uh, intellectual and, and social tyranny, really, of the left, where they get to decide what's legitimate, what's illegitimate, uh, who's up, who's down, etc. And uh, we did that by really uh, using satire very effectively. Satire is about uh, slaughtering sacred cows, and the sacred cows in Israel are really the leftist elite. And what I can say is that, you know, we were kind of the pioneers in, in a lot of the new media in Israel. And, um... I'm sorry, you there? Oh, boy. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, there, there, are a lot yeah. Of, there are a lot of... Sorry, there are a lot of other organizations and, and websites that have... And voices that have fallen the path that we that we uh, that we um, uh, paved with Latma. So I think, you know, it's not as though I think that a lot of people realize the opportunities of changing the uh, discourse in Israel through various means. And I think that the discourse has fundamentally changed. And I'd like to believe that Latma played a very key role at the outset in in moving things forward. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. Caroline Glick is with us. Um, you uh, you always rightfully always point out the uh, the troubles that Israel is in, whether it's Iran, whether it's Syria, whether it's decisions, uh, many oftentimes bad decisions made by leaders in Israel when it comes to the relationship with other countries, and certainly uh, all that has to be uh, disseminated uh, to the public. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, do you get a certain amount of satisfaction watching world leaders from around the world, uh, from everywhere, from Europe, from Asia, etc., coming to Israel? and uh, gravitating toward Israel and its technology and uh, having Israel and coming to Israel to have Israel fill its needs when it comes to uh, different uh, problems they're having, whether it's with water or their environment and other things. Uh, is, is that, how, how do you view the significance of that happening for this very small country? Well, I think, you know, 70 years of Israel's existence have really seen the transformation not only of the land of Israel and the state of Israel, but also the Jewish people. And the Jewish people with the center of the Jewish people moving from the diaspora uh, to the land of Israel. And um, you see, you know, we, were, we, we came together as an ingathering of exiles. We've been living in separate communities, isolated from one another for nearly 2,000 years. And you see the the, the 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 sort of synthesis of all of these all of this rich tapestry of Jewish culture from all over the world coming together and forming the most vibrant society on earth. Um, and so it's not surprising to me that among the other things that we're doing is uh, path breaking. Uh, uh, development and technologies, and whether it's in biotech or in nanotech or in uh, in uh, all of the various uh, high technologies that I don't even understand <laughs> that are providing new new uh, new means to cure diseases, uh, new means to uh, communicate with one another, new means to develop uh, you know uh, um, uh, defense mechanisms for this country and systems that we can then share with our allies abroad. I mean, on all of these different levels, you're seeing. Um, advances in in israel and you're also seeing it in non-technological uh endeavors like uh you know in jewish learning and in um and in basic research and in a lot of sciences so i mean i think that uh it's a very exciting time to be jewish it's a very it's it's the most amazing time i think to be jewish in jewish history 
And uh, and that's why, you know, to go back to the beginning of our interview when you said, don't you think people should come to Jerusalem? I mean, I, I don't even think there's any question that the only place that really is worth visiting at this point is Israel, particularly for Jews. I mean, it's just the most amazing thing. It's a total miracle. I made Aliyah in 1991, and the transformation of Israel since I made Aliyah has been on every level, and and extraordinary. So I think that, yeah, absolutely, people should be coming here. Can't thank you enough for joining us. I'm curious, did anything about the Kavanaugh hearing surprise you from the United States? You know, I, I find it uh, so uh, disheartening to see um, where the United States is right now as a society, and by the way, where Europe is, and by the way, where the Israeli left is. I mean, you're seeing a meanness, a, a bitterness, a hatred that just uh, coming out on so many different in so many different ways from the political left. It's becoming more and more radicalized, more and more anti-Semitic, more and more anti-American, uh, anti-capitalist, anti-individualism, anti-individual rights, um, and you know all of this ugliness and meanness and all of this sort of embrace of totalitarian ideologies at the expense of liberal democracy. Uh, were brought to the fore in such a profound way with the uh, Kavanaugh uh, hearings, with the entire confirmation process, and of course in the last week with all of the uh, outrageous rape allegations, which were unsubstantiated in any way, including, by the way, Blazing Fords. Um, so I think, you know, again, this is going back to Israel and why people should want to come here, why people should want to make Aliyah. I mean, I think that... Um, we saw a very bizarre merging of the anti-Semitism of the left, the anti-Americanism, anti-constitutionalism of the left, with Linda Linda Sarsour, an outspoken anti-Semite and Israel hater, anti-Jewish uh, woman who's rising uh, in, in massively being empowered by the Democrats, uh, leading the charge against Kavanaugh. And this is a woman who supports female uh, uh, genital mutilation. Uh, in the name of Islam, uh, she's a misogynist on every level, and yet she's being upheld as a, as a feminist, and she's using her position as a as a phony feminist to popularize and spread and propagate anti-Semitism on the American left, and she's doing it uninhibited and un and uh, you know without any uh, obstacles being put into her place by people who are supposed to be responsible adults. Indeed, the thing that she's been shown uh, on television the most doing is introducing uh, what she called our woman on the inside, who's working for us on the inside, uh, New York Senator Kristen uh, Gillibrand. I mean, this is a woman who was elected, uh, you know, by, by, among other people, a large majority of the Jews of New York State. And she has, since she decided she wanted to run in 2020, been embracing BDS, been opposing Israel, been uh, uh, wooing the far left in American politics, uh, which is anti-American, anti-Jewish, anti-Israel, um, anti-male, bigoted, uh, and being led by people like Linda Sarsour and Louis Farrakhan. And I think all of this came to a fore in the Kavanaugh hearings and uh it's uh, it's something that American Jews should be fighting, not uh, you know just sort of uh, yawning at it. It's a disaster. Total, and, um, totally, and, agree and, with and you. I, it's a real source for worry about the future of America. I mean, the fact that Kavanaugh 
48 Democratic senators voted against him based on completely unsubstantiated and uncorroborated allegations regarding an incident that may or may not have occurred 36 years ago. It's frightening. The information and the uh, education you give us is priceless. Continued strength to you. God bless you, and thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, and enjoy the rest of your stay in Israel. Make Aliyah. What's going on? A total agreement. Thank you so much. The great Caroline Glick here at JM in the AM.